1: That's why there's Dr. Clapper.
0: Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at
2: Cedar Sinai. The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar Sinai. Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are, How are you? Saturday mornings from seven to nine. Silence
3: is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc. I love your show. Now here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a pleasure it is to be with you each and every Saturday for 10 years now and what a real pleasure it is to be at my hospital, Cedar sinai for the extent of my career. They're all 31 years and to think that now they are the sponsors of the show gives me such great pride. Folks that I work with at that hospital from the nurses. My wife and I sponsor an award in nursing in honor of my mother, who you know was a nurse. If you end up on the orthopedic floor, you'll see a sculpture I made in Michelangelo's Carrara marble of my father. Can you imagine? I get to work at a hospital that has a picture of my mother on the wall for the nursing award and a sculpture of my father called Abraham on the orthopedic floor. It's awesome. I have great pride and truly grateful and I'm grateful for Steve Paulette. Yes, you listen to me, but behind the scenes, I'm the puppet, he's the puppeteer, making all this happen, putting together a Facebook page. I couldn't do it without him, and from the bottom of my heart, I can never say I love you enough to Steve Paulette. When I knew my guest today was going to be from my world of orthopedic surgery, the company that makes the implants that I love to use for hips, It's different for knees and shoulders. I get to use whichever company I want, whoever I think is best. I'm not on anybody's payroll. But the tremendous advance in hip surgery is this device that I use in young people and old people. I don't know if I have, I think I have it on my website. You'll see a picture of a woman, 70 years old, doing the splits after I did both her hips. I've got rock climbers, all kinds of patients who are able to jump, dancers, and the innovation is called dual mobility. The ball is within a socket, but it's within a movable socket. It's an ingenious idea and ingenious technology, giving our hips more mobility and more stability than a traditional design. It's an improvement. It's an advance. And at eight fifteen, we'll be talking to Adam Horoho about this beautiful advance called dual mobility in hip surgery. And you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and I believe they're all connected. You may think it's a challenge for me to connect the dots, but I just told you last night watching Anthony Davis grab his Achilles tendon because of his heel contusion, I'm thinking about Amy Winehouse singing with Tony Bennett. So for me, the world of art, the world of sports, come together because your Achilles tendon not only lets you leap, but it also lets you land softly. Seemingly opposite requests of a tendon attachment to the heel bone, the calcaneus. Tony Bennett being older than Amy Winehouse singing together as a duet. That world of opposite requests, that's where the real magic happens. So all week long, I'm thinking about dual mobility in art, dual mobility in sports. And in art, I thought about the greatest example of dual mobility. And that is when at age 85, he's an old man. Now he's 95. Tony Bennett's son said, you know what, Dad? You should be singing with the people who are young, but sing your songs and bridge the gap with the young audience with their favorite singers and it's a magical thing that took place because it's tony bennett let's listen to tony bennett singing with amy winehouse who he says was his favorite singer to sing with of all the young singers lady gaga queen latifah billy joel The people he sang with on the duet album amy winehouse was his favorite let's listen to the chemistry and the magic of the two of them number 14. I
1: spent my day. I can't believe it. It's hard to conceive it that you turn away Rome.
3: Oh. When it was suggested that Amy Winehouse be in the duet with Tony Bennett, everyone got nervous. Tony, how are you going to be able to handle her? She's a loose cannon. Number four, let's listen.
1: She was just very apprehensive as to what was gonna happen. And uh, everybody just said, oh, I don't know how you're gonna handle her. And I said, but I felt completely different. I said, boy, she really loves to perform. And uh, would turned the key at the record date, I said, you know what? I said to Amy, you know, you sound a little like uh, um, is one of the great jazz singers, Dinah Washington. Number five. When well, she heard that, her eyes popped wide open, and completely inspired, she said, "You you know that you know that I like Dinah Washington." And I said, "I said it just sounds wonderful," because I, I said I, she was a friend of mine. She was a friend of yours, you knew her. She was all excited about that I knew Dinah Washington. And that was her main inspiration at the moment. And mm. from that moment on, the record came out just beautiful.
3: Number seven.
1: It was a regretful for me because I liked it so much and I was traveling to get back to sing with Lady Gaga in New York. So I didn't have a chance to tell her that I was coming back in a month at the Palladium to celebrate my 85th birthday. And I wanted to have her sing with me on that stage. And it was just regretful because I wanted to get her on the side and tell her to slow down and clean up her act with drugs and that would eventually hurt her very much. Mm. And it was just a big tragedy for me when my son called me up a month later and said, she just died.
3: And Tony had his own history of drug problem, nearly overdosed himself. So the interviewer at Studio Q in Canada said, what would you have told her that you think you would have changed her life and gotten her off drugs? And he said, I would have told her what someone told me, number eight.
1: Well, I would just give her the answer that happened to me. Uh, Woody Allen's manager told me that he knew uh, that he used to manage Lenny Bruce, the great uh, philosopher and poet that was on drugs. And I said, oh, I know Lenny. I said, what do you think of him? And he said one sentence that changed my life. He said he sinned against his talent and that stopped me cold. I withdrew, I had no withdrawal period. It it just was a relief for me to stop everything.
3: He then asked Tony, what makes you an expert that you could tell Amy Winehouse was so much better than everyone else? What makes coach Mike Ditka such an expert to think about using a 350 pound defensive lineman as a running back. What makes Adam Horoho, who we're gonna to talk to in a few minutes, an expert that this dual mobility hip is so special? Well, you ask Tony Bennett, what is it that makes you an expert? This is his answer, number nine.
1: It's called ears. Hmm. If you happen to have the ears of a musician like I do, I'm blessed with that. I could tell right away if someone is genuine or if they're just not singing in tune or something wrong, if there's something wrong. But the gift of uh, improvisation, of uh, uh, knowing to take a chance, uh, to say something and mean it from your heart, from your spirit, and be honest. It's called honesty, actually. It's being an honest singer. And certain people have it, and certain people don't.
3: And when you have that honesty, you can do things that other people can't even imagine. Listen to Billy Joel being shocked to find out from the producer, Tony Bennett doesn't play the piano. He doesn't play an instrument, but he knows everything the players know. Number 12.
4: Now he plays the piano, right, Tony? No. He doesn't play an instrument? He is the instrument. Tony sings like he's a player. He's hearing all the notes in the chord. He does. He's got a full palette to pick from. And Tony's obviously learned his instrument well. Oh, the good
1: life, full of fun, seems to be the idea.
3: Number 13. You won't really fall in love.
1: Or you can't take the chance So be honest with yourself Don't try to fake romance Yes, the good life To be free and explore the unknown
3: The good life, to be free to explore the unknown. That's what allows you to take on the challenge. Where in sports do we see dual mobility? Listen to this story. Let's go to number one.
2: Bill Walsh's 49ers were handing it to what was to become one of the most dominant defenses of all time, pre-Super Bowl shuffle, Mike Ditka's Bears. In the third quarter, Walsh had his guard, Guy McIntyre, line up in the backfield, to pave the way for this Wendell Tyler touchdown run.
0: And into the end zone, 49 touchdown.
2: With the game no longer in doubt, Walsh was still using McIntyre in the backfield, and Bears defensive players were not happy. That just wasn't normal protocol in those days.
3: Well, now enters dual mobility in sports. Mike Ditker remembered that, and now in the 1985 Super Bowl run that the Bears went on, he decides, you know what, dual mobility. I'm taking my w- defensive lineman who weighs 350 pounds, and he's gonna run the football, the hell with the running back, number two.
2: Up 26 to 10 late in the fourth quarter, it was payback time. So into the game trots rookie defensive tackle William the Refrigerator Perry, all 335 pounds of him, to play offense. Except unlike Walsh, Dicka's plan wasn't to have Perry blocked.
0: And the handoff to William Perry playing in the backfield with a minute to go. William the Refrigerator Perry
1: carried the ball. Uh, I think that might be a message to the Angus formation from last year in the Uh NFC championship game.
3: And now here Pat Summerall and John Madden get so excited to talk about dual mobility in sports seeing William the Refrigerator Perry Score a touchdown! Listen to John Madden; he goes so over the top. I just love it. Number five. Touchdown. touchdown! Well, he got that new move. You know, he used to just run in there. Now he has this deal where he's going to die. Boom! 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 <laughs> 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 just right up over.
2: The Eighty-five <laughs> Bears would shuffle their way to Super Bowl Twenty. And now they're in the Super Bowl. They ain't gonna stop. Number six. The fridge did record a sack in the NFC Championship, but let's get real. At this point, all fans wanted to see was the big man carrying the rock on sports' biggest stage. So of course, Ditka obliged. (laughs) That one registered three point eight. Another Super Bowl record, the first refrigerator
3: to score. God bless you, Dick Enberg. We miss you. And now, number seven.
2: The Bears completely dominated the Patriots, 46 to 10. Yet all anyone could talk about was that Perry, and not future Hall of Famer Walter Payton, scored in the Super Bowl. The real story here was that Perry would go on to be a reliable player for a decade in the NFL. He was one of the top-run stuffers in the league his final season with the Philadelphia Eagles, starting every week at about 350 pounds. He retired after that season. In fact, Perry would never score again after that magical rookie year of 1985. Yet it was a season that no football fan will ever forget.
3: And finally, number eight.
2: Because the Fridge and the Bears made football fun. And don't think for a second that his influence doesn't link Mallet throws left side of the edge and Watts, J.J. Watt. Touchdown! Boot by Derek Carr, who lob it for a touchdown caught by Donald Penn! In Chiefs history, there has never been a 350-pound wide receiver for a touchdown. Yep. All because Mike Dickett didn't like Bill Walsh using an offensive lineman in the backfield. How about that?
3: How about that? Coming up next, we're going to get into the whole idea of dual mobility. In my world of orthopedic surgery and hip surgery, we'll be talking to the great Adam Horoho calling in from Indiana and Biomed. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.
4: You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Ah, I love it. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Un
1: giorno al mare è meglio che un giorno in mont- a lavorare.
4: Ah, I love it. Every Saturday morning from seven to nine a.m. on ESPN, seven ten, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
3: It just may be a lunatic you're looking for. Actually, crazy like a fox. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm joined right now by the great Adam Horoho from Indiana from Biomet. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us, Adam. And I want to thank a big shout out to Jeff Busey from Biomet for making this happen. Thanks so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. You got me okay? Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you just fine. I got a warm place in my heart for Biomet because it was Dane Miller, the man who started Biomet, who I met with, who said, you know, Dr. Clapper, you don't have a bad idea here. I love this idea of yours. These new tools you want to design for the operating room. And thus was born the ultrasonic tools that I designed as a resident that now are used all over the world Thanks to Biomet, and thanks for me meeting Dane Miller all those years ago. Did you ever cross paths with Charlie Rye or Joel Pratt? Never have. Because those were the two guys in your position at Biomet at the time who really helped bring it along. But I love your company because of its ability to innovate. It's really at the cutting edge, trailblazing, the forefront. And it's really why I love using the equipment that you that you guys make. So first, before we get started, Adam, who are you? Yeah. Where'd you grow up? Okay. Where'd you go to school? What would your father do yeah. for a living? And how did you end up at Biomet? Well,
0: I, I I'll start off by just saying you, you brought back some good memories with the uh, with the '85 bear story as a as a <laughs> 13 year old in 1985 in Northern Indiana uh, watching. The Chicago Bears and and what they did was was pretty special. I was disappointed that uh, Sweetness didn't get the touchdown in the uh, in the Super Bowl, but but nonetheless, I mean that team was was remarkable. <laughs> it's a shame they didn't, didn't uh, go back and repeat again. But uh, yep, you know, I, I grew up in Northern Indiana. I've been with uh, Zimmer Biomet now for for about fifteen years, uh, mm-hmm. various roles. Uh, I've been in the the hip department for the last eight years. Um, you know, I help uh, work with guys like Jeff Busey quite a bit and travel around and and talk to surgeons like yourself about, you know, the concepts of our product and the different, you know, options we have, instrumentation, et cetera. Um, It's an honor and a blessing for us to be a part of what, you know, what you guys do. And we're just very grateful to be able to, you know, to work alongside you. And as you know, we're going to talk about the concept of dual mobility today and, uh, you know, the, the benefits it brings patients, certain types of patients for sure. But to just be a part of that and see a you know, help get a patient back to uh, you know, normal level of activity and kind of giving their getting their life back in order. Um, it's really special. It's a cool thing to be a part of.
3: Tell me about school. You went to college. Where did you go to college and what did
0: you study? Well, I went to Purdue and I studied uh marketing. Uh, my oldest son is actually a sophomore at Purdue right now. and I'm a big uh Big Big Ten guy, love Purdue. We go down to the football games every every chance we get. This year, unfortunately, no. But um, you know, my son is actually a, uh, a manager on the basketball team, so occasionally I get to see him on national television, uh, rolling out the sweating up. You know, what just, does get
3: what them. does what does Drew Brees mean to the Horoho family?
0: <laughs> well, uh, he, he means a lot. Now, when I was there, uh, the the football team wasn't all that great, um, and then my brother followed me. Uh, to Purdue. And he was there during the Drew Brees era. And it just, I mean, Drew Brees, Joe Tiller, what they did bringing basketball on grass, they made, they made it fun. They made football a lot of fun, a lot of, you know, a lot of passing, pass, pass, pass until, until you get it right. And uh, Drew Brees is just a remarkable person. The things he's done for uh, the university and, and the donations he's made, um, the loyalty he has to the school I mean, there's there's not too many people that
3: wouldn't say Drew Brees was was an absolute blessing to, to Purdue. So I'm sitting on the couch one day. I don't know where Purdue is from a hole in the wall, okay? I'm a Jewish guy from New York who now lives in Los Angeles. For me, Indiana is the state you fly over on the airplane. I don't know from nothing. I'm sitting on the right. couch, and I'm watching the Rose Bowl. And now on ESPN, they're interviewing these two offensive linemen who basically don't have a neck. Their head is attached to their shoulders.
1: These guys
3: were huge, and they're wearing suit and ties because they're in the Rose Bowl. And they both have black marks still on their cheeks. And the interviewers say to these two Midwestern gigantic guys, Angus cows, fellas, you got your suit and ties on. You're, you're doing interviews. Why do you still have that black mark on your cheeks like you would be wearing during a game. And both of these offensive linemen said, because our quarterback has a giant birthmark on his cheek, and he's very self-conscious about it now that he's getting all this notoriety because he's led Purdue to the Rose Bowl for the first time in a million years, and he's self-conscious about it. And we are his offensive linemen, and we love him. We don't want him to be self-conscious. So we decided, as an offensive line, that we're going to have this black mark on our cheeks so that he doesn't feel self-conscious. And I remember listening to this going, wherever this guy gets drafted, I feel the same way about Joe Burrow, by the way, with the Cincinnati Bengals, even though I'm a Rams fan. Wherever this guy, whoever he is, Drew Brees, goes, that's where I'm going. And he got signed by the San Diego Chargers. And I remember saying to my wife, we live in L.A., it ain't that far to go to San Diego. And I got season tickets to schlepp on the train. And then I had to take the trolley and the whole bit just to see Drew Brees throw the football. He is one of the most incredible athletes of our time. And... The fact that you knew all about him in college, I'm jealous. But what an inspiration! And to some extent, it's the path that you're on. How did you hook up with orthopedics and biomech?
0: Well, I, I, I took uh, you know a different path. My uh, initial job out of college was not orthopedic related. I did that for, for ten years. I actually lived in Kansas City for ten years, and, and that's what were my, you doing there? So I was a I was a, a, a sales engineer for a small manufacturing firm, and uh, had a had a territory that I covered and uh, lived there. Loved Kansas City. Kansas City is a great town. Fell in love with the Chiefs. Fell in love with the Royals. Got to go to the 2015 World Series uh, when they uh, when they beat the Mets, which was awesome. Um, but I ended up I always I always knew about the orthopedic business because I, I grew up in Indiana and, and here in Warsaw, Indiana is the orthopedic capital of the world. Mm-hmm. several large firms got their start here and are still located here. Zimmer Biomet being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Zimmer uh, purchased Biomet about five years ago. I came from the Biomet side, mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, uh, just reached out. I wanted to be a part of it. You know, I, I knew what they did. I, I knew it was just cool stuff. Right. And I, I had some friends that that worked in the business. I reached out to them, made contacts and ended up uh, getting hired on in 2006 uh, in the contracts group, so I uh, negotiated national contracts, purchasing contracts, and then uh, really wanted to get into the clinical side of it. So, uh, but like I mentioned, eight years ago, made it made a change, went to the, the hip side of the business. Um, really fell in love with it. Had no interest in going anywhere now. I I I I'm where I, would, I need to be, and uh, it's just like I mentioned, it's fun. It's a it's a highly successful surgery, you know that,
3: uh, and it's it's fun to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So tell us now that you have the behind the scenes perspective, what is happening in the world of hip arthroplasty, your total hip replacements and giving people their life back when they have bone on bone and groin pain and can't sleep through the night? What's new?
0: So we're going
3: to talk a little bit about dual
0: mobility. And although it's not really a, a novel design, it's been around in the you know since the 1970s in Europe. It's it's only been here in, in the U.S. for about the last decade. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of where that's being used and, and the benefits of it. But you know, I mean, anything that we've done in, in HIP, you know, it's hard to it, it is hard to improve on such a high degree of success. But that doesn't mean we aren't constantly trying to figure out new better ways to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the implant materials are, are really, really good. The implants themselves are good. We're all constantly trying to make better instrumentation that helps you in the OR be more efficient, you know, help you to to hopefully you know reconstruct the patient um, more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but really you know, this this concept of dual mobility is, is is pretty neat in that you know, the small amount of, of unsatisfactory hips or, uh, hips that have issue are really around the stability of the joint, as you know that. And and what's most important is getting the the components placed in the in the right orientation. But in addition to that, you have a subset of of patients that may be a little bit more likely to have instability issues, and that's where dual mobility comes in. And what right? that
3: means in plain English is the ball pop out of the socket or dislocate. And I will tell you, that's right. It's not only what we're learning now in orthopedic surgery is you can actually have had the surgery done successfully. But 10 years later, you now have more arthritis in your spine, making your lower body stiffer because you've got arthritis in your back. All of a sudden, this perfectly nice working hip replacement you had now can dislocate because your spine can no longer move the way it's supposed to. And that stress gets carried over to the hip joint, and now the hip pops out. And the dual mobility, particularly when you're dealing with young people because of the ceramic, but older patients who are now gonna become arthritic in their lower backs, it's to the point now, Adam, that I don't see a reason not to use it every time you do hip surgery. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there obviously we, um, you know, we don't practice
0: medicine here at Zimmer Biomet. we rely on, on you to decide what's best for, for your patient. Um, it, today, the, the gold standard is still, the uh, you know, a standard hip, which is consistent of, you know, a, a femoral stem, a ball that's typically made out of cobalt chrome, or, or uh, you, you got different materials like ceramics, et cetera, and then a, a, a cup that goes into the socket or goes into your pelvis with a polyethylene liner. Mm-hmm. What's unique about this design is that you know we, we basically took the ball and we shrunk it down to about twenty-eight millimeters, and then we press it inside another ball, a larger ball. Now, this is the reason that's important is because um, the smaller ball produces less frictional wear. So you have you know it's it's you know it's going to tend to uh, wear a lot less because there's just you know smaller volumetric you know wear on it the bigger balls will tend to wear a little bit more. So, what we did with the the dual mobility design, which is really cool, is we combined these two, a big ball on the outside of of a small ball. The design, the uniqueness of the design, forces that small ball to be the primary mode of articulation, so you capitalize on the benefit of the low volumetric wear. And it's not until a patient gets into a higher range of motion Uh, That 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 outer ball actually articulates. So you get the effectiveness of the large ball, the more the greater uh, range of motion, the greater stability, but you also uh, are able to capitalize on low volumetric work. So that's the beauty of it. And and (laughs) I know when talking to you earlier about it, you really you really gravitated towards that construct and have had a a high degree of success with it. Yes, I have.
3: Adam, do me a favor. Stay on the line. Can you stay on the line? Absolutely. Again, needs to pay some bills. We'll come back because I want to get into your opinion about the future. Uh, no one has sure. a crystal ball, but if anybody's at the forefront of what's happening next, you're the guy. And I really think it's informative for the weekend warriors. As I tell them, they're all either pre-op or post-op. Sooner or later, they're going to need an orthopedic surgeon in their life, and that's why this show is so popular. But I want right. to get into the future with you, Adam Horoho from Biomet. In Indiana, what a joy to have you today, Weekend Warriors. We'll be doing that coming up next. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710
4: ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
3: So the Clapper was looking at the flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was?
4: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
3: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm joined by an expert in the world of hip surgery from Zimmer Biomed, the great Adam Horoho. Adam, I want to play a sound bite because I believe the world of sports, the world of art, the topic today is dual mobility where the ball is spinning within a ball that gives greater stability so that the ball and socket joint doesn't dislocate and it gives you more mobility. uh, Two opposite requests. You're an expert. Well, let's listen to dual mobility in the art world when tony bennett is asked why do you think amy winehouse you're 85 she's 25 the opposite coming to the world of music why do you think she's so different so much better than everybody else what makes you such an expert how do you articulate it listen to what tony bennett said steve let's go to number nine
1: it's called ears if you happen to have the ears of a musician like i do I'm blessed with that. I could tell right away if someone is genuine or if they're just not singing in tune or something wrong, if there's something wrong. But the gift of uh, improvisation, of uh, uh, knowing to take a chance, uh, to say something and mean it from your heart, from your spirit, and be honest. It's called honesty, actually. It's being an honest singer, And certain people have it and certain people don't.
3: When I showed Dane Miller, my idea of using ultrasonic dental tools that clean your teeth, modify them to make chisels to use in the operating room that ultimately became the ultra drive. He got it. Other people didn't get it. He got it. He could see the future. The skill set that you have, Adam, is you walk into a room. You didn't go to medical school. You're not an orthopedic surgeon but you can tell with your knowledge of the field, this is a game changer. This is a great idea. Tony Bennett says it's called ears, but Ranawat, Dr. Ranawat, my teacher taught me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. When you see this and see these devices, your heart must start to flutter, purr like a cat, because you know, I can't explain it, but I have the eyes to tell me this is going to be special. What was it like when you got introduced to it, the dual mobility, that you guys were going to launch it? What was that like?
0: Well, I, you know, I don't know that we, we had even fully appreciated how, how uh, it was going to take off, how, how fast and furious it was going to take off. And so, and so we, you know, we approached it, obviously, like we do a lot of things with a little bit of skepticism. Hey, you know, we want to make certain sure that it's right, that the product is designed appropriately, um, like every, every manufacturer does, right? Um, but we knew that there was an area of orthopedics that we could help prop up, and, and mainly in the area of total hip arthroplasty in terms of gaining more stability. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, there is a, still a small amount of uh, – of patients who, who tend to be uh, less stable postoperatively. And we didn't at the time have any appreciation for that spine pelvis relationship. And that's really just now starting to, to come to the forefront. Um, so, having an option like dual mobility, which again isn't the silver bullet to, to solve that issue, but it does open up and give you a much larger protective range of motion with this head in the head concept. Mm-hmm. So that uh, you know, maybe getting that that uh, component positioned absolutely one hundred percent, you know, uh, in the correct orientation may not be as critical. So I think the spine. To answer your original question, you know, where are we headed? I think as we learn more about that spine pelvis relationship, I think there's a lot of data that's coming out of uh, certain centers around the country in regards to that relationship. How uh, how affect you know how the like a, a spinal fusion affects that pelvis' ability to rock when a patient goes from standing to sitting. I think there's going to be an algorithmic approach that, you know, is recommended in terms of where, where you put the components, how you put them in. Um, and then again, when you might use dual mobility for instance, to kind of help uh, increase the likelihood of success, you know, postoperatively. But your point is spot on um, patients who had had a total hip, uh, you know, for 10 years and, and, and did, did remarkably well. All of a sudden, they pop out a socket, and it's you go find out that they had a, a two-level fusion or something, uh, you know, after the fact, and, and now all of a sudden that pelvis uh, was was not
3: was not tilting in the orientation it needed to going from standing to sitting. So, I want to talk about the, the final question: the influence of a good idea, where this will ultimately lead, and again, where's dual mobility in sports? It's in the story of the Chicago Bears. Steve, let's
2: play number eight. Because the fridge and the Bears made football fun. And don't think for a second that his influence doesn't link. Mallet throws left side of the edge on Watts, J.J. Watt. Touchdown! Boot by Derek Carr, who lob it for a touchdown, caught by Donald Penn! In Chiefs history, there has never been a 350-pound wide receiver for a touchdown. Yep. All because Mike Dicka didn't like Bill Walsh using an offensive lineman in the backfield. How about that?
3: The same idea, the, the unexpected outcome.
2: Yeah, it's a good
3: idea for maybe a select group of patients, but never realizing the influence this would have in an area we never appreciated before that the spine's influence on how our hips work must have really become a joyous moment for you guys at BioMed. Oh, for,
0: for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a product that's, that's growing, and, and as surgeons like yourself become more aware of it and become more aware of some of the other clinical issues that are out there um, that uh, affect stability, uh, you know, having this as a, as a product that um, we, can, we can offer up a solution is, you know, it, it's a wonderful thing.
3: Well, Adam, for a kid who grew up in the cornfields of northern Indiana... It's a pleasure to bring you to Los Angeles, at least least over the airwaves, and I look forward to meeting you in person uh, one day. Thanks so much for making time to be with us, and thanks so much for making the world a better place.
0: Um, Thank you, and we appreciate everything
3: you do as an orthopedic surgeon, and and just thank you for letting us be a part of it. Okay, thanks so much, Adam. Have a great day. God bless. All right. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I'm going to take you into the operating room. I saw a young girl this week who initially tore her ACL as a partial tear. What exactly does that mean? But lo and behold, she is going to need her ACL fixed. And for a reason, I'm going to explain. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show, the number is 877-710-3776. 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.
4: You're listening to The Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Hey, Robbie, do you like donuts? Start your weekend off right, listening to The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
3: I love donuts.
4: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. The Saints come marching
3: in. People, that you're amazing. This song's called Sweet Sue. You know why? Because she owns the donut shop up in Ventura called Good Time Donuts. And if you say, well, I don't want to eat donuts, which is, I feel bad for you, but if you say that, you'll eat muffins and you'll eat an oat bran muffin. She came up with the greatest recipe. She puts raisins And, get a load of this, dried oranges in the oat bran muffin. It is so good. Even for a non-health nut like me, that oat bran orange raisin muffin is just to die for. Fantastic. So go to Good Time Donuts. I want to talk about, not the operating room so much, but a patient I saw this week who's now going to have to go to the operating room with me who, young girl, 30 years old, playing soccer one weekend, and heard a pop, felt a pop, her knee swelled, and the swelling comes from the fact that there's a blood vessel in the anterior cruciate ligament. So when the ligament tears, so does the blood vessel, and it spills blood into the joint. This is why when you watch a football game, you see us orthopedic surgeons running on the field right away to quickly try and examine the player's knee because before the the knee fills up with blood, that's our best chance to feel the stability of the joint. And there's a certain test we do, it's called a pivot shift, that it does not occur unless you've torn your ACL. It becomes more difficult to feel that movement in the knee once it fills up with blood. So if we can feel your knee before the blood occurs, we, you know, MRI is great just to finalize it, but I can tell you just from feeling your knee whether your ACL is torn or not. So this particular young girl, young woman, she heard a pop, felt a pop, and her knee swelled right away, and now a month later, three weeks later, she comes to my office, and I can tell she has movement that she shouldn't have in her knee. She has a pivot shift, and I do an MRI. But here's what's interesting about her MRI. And here's a Clapper vision for you. If you've ever gone skiing and you're on that ski lift going up the mountain to get to the top so you can ski down, particularly if you're in Colorado or Utah, you'll see those forests of trees in between the ski lifts as you're sitting in the chair. And I just love looking at those Aspen trees. They're these beautiful, so they look like telephone poles with branches and leaves on them because that's what they ultimately become. But they're right next to each other, a forest of these aspen trees. And then if you look carefully, you'll see that one of them was probably hit by lightning in a storm. And instead of the tree falling all the way to the ground, occasionally you'll see the tree that was hit by lightning now, leaning up against another tree. Essentially, it's a dead tree, but it didn't fall to the ground. It banged into one of the other trees, and lo and behold, stayed at an angle, not vertical, but at an angle, and can actually survive because it's still straight up. It didn't pull, pull its roots completely out of the ground when it fell over. Well, when you tear your ACL, which on the MRI I can see attaches to the femur at the top the thigh bone attaches to the tibia at the bottom and then you have the mid substance between those two points where it originates and where it ends up inside the joint and i see the ligament right next to it called the posterior cruciate ligament it's like i'm looking at two aspen trees well one of them got hit by lightning you tore your acl during this sporting event most of the time i see the ligament now lying horizontal because it ripped off the bone and it's lying like that aspen tree horizontal but in the case of this young woman that i saw she tore the acl off the femur off the top her ligament got hit by lightning like a tree but instead of falling completely to the ground it it fell next to the posterior cruciate ligament So it's no longer attached to the bone like it should, but it now is scarred to the ligament next to it, just a few millimeters over. That in many cases, the rare cases where I see people who tore their ACL, but they don't need surgery for it, is if they scarred down to the ligament living next to it in such a way that it is close enough to its original origin, they get enough stability in their knee that they can live happily ever after without fixing their ACL. And that's what happened to this young girl, young woman. But it looks like she's feeling, and particularly in her athletic desires, playing basketball, playing soccer again, that in extreme cases she plants her foot, she feels that little jog of movement and doesn't like it. So after a probably a year and a half of following her and keeping an eye on her and having her rehab, her range of motion came back, her strength came back. Her par- I re-MRI'd her knee, and now you can appreciate that she really has torn completely the ligament. It's scarred to the piece, but she feels it clinically being unstable. So I'm gonna basically fix her ACL, reconstruct her ACL, so she can return and be the athletic young woman that she wants to be using her own body parts, using her own central third of her patella tendon. And again, this is my opinion, not shared necessarily by other people, to use your hamstring or use a cadaver. For me, the gold standard is to use your own body parts, your own patella tendon. And you'll read about it in the book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. Let's talk about what's coming up next week. Next week, I have the great pleasure, our guest, and I say our because you're part of the family listening to the Weekend Warrior Show. My guest is the great Dave Davis, David Davis. He wrote a book that I just adored about my favorite surfer, Duke Kahanamoku. His level of expertise in research and, and putting together a topic is like nobody else. He's one of the greatest sports writers we have, and we're blessed because he lives here in Los Angeles. Well, he's written another book. This book is called Wheels of Courage. It's about a topic you may not necessarily have even heard about before, but after World War II, the orthopedic injuries of spine injuries and paralysis, taking these young men, soldiers, who now were crippled by the fighting, bombs, guns, whatever happened to them where they're alive but they're now paralyzed and need to be in a wheelchair, they came back from World War II and decided that we still wanna be vibrant, athletic men. And so they created the world of basketball for wheelchair. This is long before the Paralympics. This is long before all the great advances we've had in sports medicine, but it happened first with these guys. And the book is about focusing on certain athletes that were now in a wheelchair that opened our eyes to what sports is really all about. It's all about competition. It's all about Jimmy Butler waking up and realizing, I know it's LeBron James, but I think I can take him on. And our eyes popped out of our head last night. Well, next week we're gonna talk to Dave Davis about another eye-popping story in sports. Until then, I'll see you on the radio. I'll leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying.